Hi, Recode listeners. We've got a bonus episode for you today. It's an interview I did at the 2017 Code Conference. If you like this one, then good news. We have a lot more of them over at Recode Replay. That's one of our other podcasts. And just like this show, it is all free. This is an interview I did with Jill Soloway, creator of Transparent, and I love Dick. Let's take a listen. All right, I'm going to bring out someone I recently met um, at the Makers Conference, and I, I'm a, I've been a huge fan forever. And this is a creator who's done an amazing uh, show called Transparent uh, for Amazon, and now has a new show, which uh, I will, I, we will sh- we'll talk about and talk about a lot of other things. Jill Soloway. Woo! Thank you. You want me over here? Yes, right there. Have a seat. So we're going to show um, we're going to show a, a trailer or something that you you guys- called it. My name is Dick. The show is actually called I Love Dick, okay. which is very hard for Kara Swisher to say out loud. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. That's all I can. Do you know that's what? all I can figure out how she can got it. Wrong. I just say I love Dick Costello. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well done. Right. All right. Show the show the uh, video. Dear Dick. How did we not know each other before now? My husband has a, a residency. He's one of Dick's new fellows. He's Dick's new fellow. I don't find you interesting. Not now. Not ever. Silvera says he is so turned on by you. Well, you got my attention. Looks fantastic. Thanks. So let's get into the, the show itself. Um, I, but I want to go back a little bit um, okay. about how you got to Amazon. And you and I have had very interesting discussions about, I keep saying you should be paid for the paper towels you sell. Every, every towel. Every towel you sell. Yeah. But talk about how you got into it. Because you were a creator in, regular, in a regular Hollywood fashion. And you're yes. one of the first to really break out, along with House of Cards or a couple of others. Yeah, well, I, was, I had been working in television for maybe 10 years or so, and I was kind of always hitting that ceiling on the TV shows I was working on. I was just to the left or just to the right of the creator mm-hmm. and couldn't really get my own, my own show sold. And, what um, was the problem? Which shows were you working on? I, was, I worked on Six Feet Under, obviously, United States of Terror, Grey's Anatomy, um, How to Make It in America. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I, was, I, I had learned enough that they were starting to call me a veteran Mm-hmm. TV writer, mm-hmm. and they would bring in sort of new people who had a great idea, and they would pair me with them, and so I would teach people how to do television, and every year I would have two or three pilots and would pitch them, and they never got made. Mm-hmm. Because were, why? Well, there were, there were un- uh, unlikable female protagonists, mm-hmm. possibly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Transparent was the first time that I had a female protagonist played by a man, so that could be why yeah. okay. I became <laughs> successful. <laughs> Perhaps. Yeah, but, um, so, but to be less uh, jokey about um, trans issues, my own parent came out as trans about maybe six years ago, mm-hmm. and very shortly after, like, you know, a, a good two or three seconds into the phone call, I started planning the TV show. Okay. Um, <laughs> Everything is copy, is Nora. This Ephraim. was one where I was like, maybe I have not been successful in television yet because I haven't had the right idea Maybe this is the right idea. Right. Okay. Um, and Did you say this to your... I didn't say it on the phone to my parent, no. I right. said, I'm happy for you, I love you, I support you. I did not say, I will be monetizing this into a program. <laughs> <laughs> I left that out. I left that out, right. Um, and, 
Yeah, I would say, you know, the, it's, the show started writing itself. It's, it was, pretty, it was yeah. you know, a family whose parent comes out at trans at the age of 70 is, uh, is, is crazy in real life, and it's, it's great for television as well. Mm-hmm. So I, um, you know, I had relationships at HBO and Showtime. Right. I almost felt like HBO was my college. You know, I worked right. at Six Feet Under. And, and I prepared my pitch, and I went around to, um, I actually wrote the pilot. I spec'd the pilot on the advice of my agent. He said, go ahead and write the whole thing. You'll go and have a meeting at each of the, you know, the big networks, and then we'll send them the written script. And I kind of went around to all of the usual suspects, to HBO, to Showtime. Uh, Netflix was around at the time. I, you know, I talked to FX. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was the sort of, would you like to pitch it to Amazon? Mm-hmm. And you know, so what happened at the first ones? Because that's where you originally wanted to do. This. I think yeah, HBO was like, we'll think about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Showtime was like, uh, we'll get back to you. Mm-hmm. Um, FX had a show, a trans show in development with mm-hmm. Ryan Murphy that ended up um, kind of, they didn't want to do both at the same time. That ended up not happening. I think um, Netflix uh, had Orange at the time and they felt like they, you know, everybody had their reason why it wasn't the right time for this show at this network with me. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, the, my, my agent talked about Amazon and there were no shows. So I was like, I don't, what will happen? Mm-hmm. How will Amazon have a TV show? I, I actually thought that. I would, there, you would be clicking on a product in the TV show and buying it while you were watching it. Right. Okay. Um, so you were dubious. I was quite dubious. Because you were going to do a web series of it, right? I, no, I thought that it was, when people, when I told people I had sold the show to Amazon, I was sort of like, I think I might have a web series. I don't know what it is. Okay. What, I don't know what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I didn't really understand Amazon's ambitions in content and how things would evolve year to year to year. I mean, I think a year later when we were nominated for a Golden Globe, I I really realized um, that we were, you know, on the playing field. I Mm -hmm. I just kind of never thought we would be on the same playing field. So that was really exciting. So what was the meeting like? Who did you... you, To Joe Lewis. I pitched to Joe Lewis and uh, Sarah Babineau and Kristen Zollner and... Yeah, I, you know, the, the, all of my meetings at all of the places were very casual, and because you know, I knew everybody, and guess what happened in my real life? And, let, you know, let me tell you my story. So, you, so when you sold it to Amazon, you were hoping for, it wasn't like your last dishing, but you were hoping for just to get it made. And did, did they allow you to be, is there a different, I want to talk a little bit about the difference of making for yeah. a Netflix, Amazon, Google, slash. Well, one thing happened at the deal stage with them that really helped me to, you know, make the decision, which was they said, and I don't know if they would ever do this again, but at the time, maybe because they were building their business, they said, if we don't end up picking it up, you can have the foot, the, the half hour back, and it could be the first part of a movie, mm-hmm. as long as you give us, you know, write a first refusal on the movie. So in my mind, I had just come out of Sundance and had just made my first feature, and so in my mind, okay, I'll use, I'll use this money from this shopping company to shoot 30 minutes, right? Um, and we'll see what happens from there, and, mm-hmm. and if worse comes to worse, you know, because I, I felt like I wasn't going to have another great idea this big, you know. Mm-hmm. Most, most studios, if you sell your, your idea to them, you can't get it back unless you pay a lot of money. Right, exactly. And so, so yeah. they were going to give it back to you. They were going to give it back. Give it back to yeah. you. Which was, what did you say? To, you were like, what? I was like, great. Yeah. You know, if they don't, yeah, that, that, made, it, that made it worth it for me. And you, you then made it, did they bother you at all, or did they not call you? One of the things we were talking about is how they yeah. didn't interface with you that much. I mean, Joe Lewis, yeah, they were around, but they have a very different style than most networks, and I don't really know how things work at Netflix. I imagine it's a little bit the same, but because they're using these kind of disruptive technologies, um, they don't really have the same tradition about, you know, let's, let's, let's put a stop to things at the outline stage, at the script stage. At the, you know, they really don't weigh in over and over and over again, and, and after developing for 10 years with networks, I was doing a lot of 
uh, rewriting simply, you know, I would, I would do some political rewriting all the time just to make people happy. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I was working with groups of people and I wanted them all on board and so somebody would have a note and I would go through and take a pass, just mm -hmm. the way you, you, know, you iterate any project. And slowly but surely, everything turned into something that I didn't really believe in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, your vision kind of gets dissipated. And, yeah, the, none of that happened at Amazon. Right, give me an example book. of that, like the, something you changed. Like, or, or for the minutes, too, right? A lot of people tell me they have to do something for the minutes. It doesn't really matter how many minutes. Yeah, That's well, it, was, it wasn't really minutes. It just felt like, well, you know, I mean, I, I wrote two or three pilots a year. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, often got the note that your main character is unlikable. Mm -hmm. um, and you need to have a rootable male at the center of your show. You can't have an unlikable woman, you know, holding down a show. We, we can't root for her. Um, so yeah, the, rootable meaning rootable. Okay, rootable. Yes. Okay, all right. That we right. root for her. Right. Okay. And you can't root for a woman who's I don't know, sexual or odd. I mean, the fact that the, the show I Love Dick is about Chris Kraus, um, and it's about her kind of losing it. Mm -hmm. um, that's that couldn't have happened, you know, without girls, without um, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, without. Um, Lady Dynamite. These are all shows that are that inspire. You know, I think as women see other shows created by women that allow the main characters to be kind of off. Mm -hmm. um, we get to take part in these traditions that people, you know, like Tony Soprano or Walter White. Like, you don't really get to have nutty women, and th that's kind of new because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. um, there's plenty of those. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so you, so when you're developing for them, they don't give you that many notes. Do they? Do they? Have they started to do that? Have they gone Hollywood? Like, not with me. Maybe with other creators. But we have a great, I have a great relationship with Joe Lewis, who's my sort of day-to-day -day person. And the good thing about what he does is we have conversations. Mm -hmm. um, and we talk about the big things, the, the, the big story arcs, arcs over the course of a season, the big idea behind things. We don't really get the little, like, there's a period on this page instead of a comma. I think it should be a comma. You know, mm -hmm. there's, there's none of that kind of micromanaging. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I do look at, um, at um, Amazon's uh, leadership principles and, and the ways in which their ethos about you know, how they deal with all of their suppliers. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of those things make sense for me in television, mm -hmm. so that's great. So do you spend a lot of time with Jeff Bezos talking about oh, we, we hang out all the time. We <laughs> live together, we sleep together, we <laughs> shop online together. Um, yeah, we're, we're deep in it. Okay. <laughs> what is your... No, he's great. We've hung out quite a few times, and I always love hanging out with him. He's uh -huh. fantastic. Uh -huh. And what do you think his ambitions here? Because he bought the Washington Post. He's doing this. He's... Yeah, I asked him that question once. I said, Jeff, what are you doing? Right, yes. Um, we were at the Golden Globes, and we had lost. This yeah. was the second time or the third time. Barry's in a tux. Yes, and we're hanging out together, and there's like an hour and a half left of an awards show where I have no nothing invested any longer. Right. And I thought... Um, let me, I'll, I'll do some WWJD questions okay. with, with Jeff Bezos. I'll ask him a, a few questions. And one of the questions I asked him is, you know, I'm obsessed with um, a sort of uh, a movement for women, people of color, queer people, an intersectional power movement. I think about revolution all the time. Mm -hmm. How do I square that with my TV and filmmaking ambitions? And he said, they're the same thing. Okay. You know, the, the, way that, the way that you make change with story mm -hmm. The way that story can make change is so much faster than the way politics can make change. Mm -hmm. um, you create culture that has story in it that says, for example, something as radical as trans people are people. Mm -hmm. And then laws follow. Mm -hmm. um, and that was exciting to hear from him, that I was really, that, that I could do what I was doing and still, and still have my ambitions about making the world a better place. And then I said, uh, I asked the question, what do you do? <laughs> what is it actually you are doing day to day? How right. are you possibly 
managing this amount of in innovation. Right. Um, and he said, I love seeing people I care about succeed. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've kind of taken that to heart where I like to share some of the things I've learned about story, about process, about drama, about writing, and uh, help other people, showrunners, directors, mm -hmm. writers, editors, especially women, people of color, and queer people who haven't had access to the storytelling Which you're tools. doing through Topple. And the name of the company is Topple, because mm -hmm. we're, we're trying to topple the patriarchy, the global <laughs> patriarchy. How's that working? Kofifi, that's all I can say. <laughs> you had a good explanation. I, I, I did ha last night, as I was getting ready to go to bed, Kofifi happened. <laughs> and I was like, I can't go to bed unless I tweet something about Kofifi. Um, and finally, I tweeted, um, first turn off your phone, then take your Ambien, if not Kofifi. <laughs> <laughs> and I think you're 100% right. I think that's what happened. I think that's what happened. You, you, you turn your phone off first. Yes. Then you take your Ambien. Yes. If you do it the other way around, Kofifi has. Okay. <laughs> okay. So in, in this happy, shiny discussion with Jeff Bezos, one of the yes. things is, though, your show broke through for them the way House of Cards did for Netflix. I keep trying to tell them and, that. Yes, I know. And, and Handmaid's Tale has done yes. fantastic yes. Uh, thing. Do you feel like you're owed more? Did you go to him and say, now I would like the Amazon stock and I'd like a, yes. a, a vig from every yes. paper towel sale? I went Dude. to him like Veruca Salt and saying, I want the world. <laughs> okay. um, I want the whole world. <laughs> okay. um, I feel like they treat me amazingly and I get, I get all, of, all of the respect and love I could possibly want at, at this point from Amazon. I feel, I feel very well taken care of mm -hmm. and... Um, I haven't done the stock you know, computation yet. Like, yeah. should I be asking for stock and how much should I be asking for? And if I had four years ago now, what would I be doing? Right. Um, I don't think I ever want to do that yet. Yeah, right, except that. that I would imagine Transparent added value to Amazon. It gave it a certain, it burnished it, the Golden Globes. Yes. It got them in the content business. Yeah. So where's, where's think, Jill's Where's my, where's my, what do you want? You want me to have stock? Yeah, or something. Do you how think much? about that? I don't know. I could talk to other people here about that. But Guys, you, how much stock should I have? Right. Um, do you, I, do creators think like that? Because like you have. Yeah, we had this conversation. Yeah, we did. About, about selling content. I, I made content you feel versus, insecure about that. Yeah, well, it, because it's a new world, you right. know, in terms of, of um, not only owning your content, but, but having a piece of the platform. Right. The distribution platform. Yeah, I'm happy to have an, unbridled amount of creative freedom besides Transparent and I Love Dick I get to think up other TV shows mm -hmm. I'm in, in business with them on movies we have you know ideas about VR it's just a sort of matter of how quickly I can scale the business so that I can you know still be present on the set to direct sometimes still write some scripts because I love doing that but also have my like you know, big ambition but, about... But you, what I want to get at is, is there should be a new economic contract between creators and distribution platforms because it's not going to be like... Reg, several people have said it's going to be Amazon, Google, yeah. Apple, and, and uh, Netflix. And yeah. Others. You know, I, th I feel that because Topple has its own brand, which is that kind of world-changing, you know, will it change the world? Has it ever been done before? Those are the questions I ask when I read a script. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what Topple wants to do is kind of upset... Uh, upset uh, the gaze, you know, yeah. the white male gaze that says, 
Um, we have had, you know, white men have had control of what we're looking at forever mm -hmm. is the kind of thing we want to upset at Topple, meaning that women have the camera, people of color have the camera, and queer people have the camera. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, is enough of a brand within Amazon and a media brand that um, I'm excited to just kind of keep moving in the relationship I have with them. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't feel like I need to necessarily... But you think about more. the... So it's a power, you have now more power you're trading for that. That yeah. you would in a Hollywood. Story. Yes. Yes. I don't know what would be happening if I had created. I, you know, I just, I, I, I feel like I've in some ways left behind the kind of network thinking. I talk to my agent and say, what are you up to? He's like, I'm at Upfronts. Remember those? You know, yeah. picking up shows. Is my show getting picked up? And, right. and, you know, staffing season and all of these things, they're a distant memory for me. I do think of myself more as a media brand or topple as a media brand mm -hmm. and and that I love creating content. I love being on the set, talking to the actors, directing, but I also love thinking in a bigger way about how to share some of the stuff we're doing with, with more people. Do you try to tell other Hollywood creators, get out of South North Korea, or what? <laughs> what do you say? You know, I don't, I don't. Or you you want to just stay there and I'll be fine. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't really know much of what's going on with other creators. We have so many amazing people that we're attempting to bring up through the ranks. Mm -hmm. um, as I said, women, especially women of color, um, trans people. You know, we've gotten probably three or four trans people in the, into the DGA in the past year. Trans people into the Writers Guild mm -hmm. um, changed the, you know, the Writers Guild uh, union regarding trans health care. Mm -hmm. So the work we're doing by taking one person at a time and bringing them into these positions, writer, director, producer, and allowing them their own protagonism so that they can create their own stories about their lives, and to what, me, is What I'd love you to finish up talking about a little bit is this idea. You gave a speech at Makers that I thought was so striking. I found it really interesting. It was very funny, also. Um, lean in versus what you think is more important. Can you go? Yeah, well, I think one of the things that we're always doing uh, as artists at Topple is attempting to hold space. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm kind of always talking about, is holding space. That holding space is, um, you know, I think before, a few years ago, before I really was willing to interrogate my own ideas about gender. I thought of holding space as a feminine thing. Mm -hmm. You know, that women or, or cis women have a uterus or the moon or pregnancy or mothering and that holding space was a way that women could come to the world of business equipped with, um, with, with uh, uh, some, you know, qualities that they already had. Mm -hmm. you know, I wanted to tell women, you already know how to do this, you already know how to lead. Holding space is a very feminine quality, and um, it really is almost all you need to lead. Mm -hmm. To not come in with a real plan about this is how the TV show is going to go, this is how the scene is going to go, but instead hold space for what's happening with the actors, with mm -hmm. the other artists. Um, and really that just means very specifically standing with my feet planted when I'm on the set and allowing myself to feel what's happening in the scene. And watching. It's not, it's not even watching, it's mm -hmm. feeling. Mm -hmm. it's, 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 it's feeling. I mean, um, I, a, lot of, a lot of directors back in the day when I would be on shows like Six Feet Under and I would watch the directors come, they'll come and they'll stand, they'll stand at the monitor, they'll watch a take like this. And they'll kind of have, the, have this body language and then when the actor gets it right, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll swing a bat. Like, like that something got hit. Um, and so I sometimes just go up to people and I pull their shoulders back and I have them, you know, just kind of stand there mm -hmm. because I'm wanting them to hold space mm -hmm. to feel what's happening in the scene so mm -hmm. that they can respond to it. And I think early on I thought that that was a very feminine and feminist thing to do. And then I think in the past year, 
I started to look at male privilege, and that's what I spoke about here at Makers and talked about that it can be very masculine to hold space. And I kind of just stood like a guy who's kind of got it all, you know, just like you lead with, lead with your tummy. <laughs> just walk into the room with your belt down here and just kind of hold space. And um, Women don't do that, that. yeah, patriarchal privilege, right? <laughs> Anybody can do it. Just stick your stomach out. <laughs> it's like pregnant women and really successful old guys. <laughs> they lead with a big tummy, and uh, and and I started to realize this isn't feminine or feminist. It, it, it can be both feminine and masculine. It's ungendered. It's about really. It's about something bigger. <laughs> and um, I think that's that's what I'm working on now is how to move move past. Uh, an idea of, well, this is what women need to do, and this is a woman-only space, and this is how women lead, and instead talk about how humans can lead with a, with a real awareness of a balance, mm-hmm. a balanced um, masculine and feminine. And you're also able to tell better stories in these em- internet environments, it seems like. I think, free. yeah, I feel free to really tune into what the Pfeffermans want. They mm-hmm. seem real to me, these, these characters. Mm-hmm. And I can really feel my way to what the next episode is, what the next scene is, what the next beat is. And the same thing with I Love Dick. It's All right, can on. you, can you what's, what, explain this plot very briefly, and then we'll get to questions. Oh, I Love Dick? Yeah. Well, there's a real woman. Her name is Chris Krause, and she was married to a man named Silvera Lotringer, and they became obsessed with a cultural critic named Dick Hebdige. Mm-hmm. He, um, was probably the, he probably invented the field of cultural theory. He was like the first guy to say the Beatles are... Um, you can do academia about the Beatles. Mm-hmm. And so they went out to dinner with him one night, and she became obsessed with him. And she started writing him love letters. She started writing Dick love letters in mm-hmm. real life. And Dick uh, said, leave me alone, you crazy bitch. Stop sending me these letters. Mm-hmm. And Chris and her husband, Silvera, said, oh, Dick's l- response letters are part of the art. <laughs> it's all the art project. Our letters to him, you know, her husband got involved, which I think is a strange plot twist, that her husband was cool with it, or I thought, I've never seen this TV show where a husband is helping his wife um, seduce somebody, but, but because they're both artists, they kept, you know, saying, well, his responses to us are art, and um, at some point, Chris looked at her letters and said, these aren't letters, this is a book. Mm-hmm. I'm not crazy, I'm not obsessed with this man, I'm a writer, and this is my writer's voice. Mm-hmm. And that's, but that's really what I Love Dick is about. Yeah, you're not going to see that on CSI Miami. Not much. No, no. <laughs> Do you imagine working for Google or others or Apple or time? You know, you... working for Google, maybe starting my own Google. I don't know. Right. Topple and Google sound alike. But working for other Internet companies. Um, I would, I'm excited to work for anybody. I, I do have really big ambitions because I think about systems and I think about mythology and I think about revolution. Um, and I love how television has become, as, as, as Jeff said, storytelling is a great way to change hearts and change minds, change the culture, which changes laws. And it happened quickly. Mm-hmm. My parent came out four years ago. I mean, four years ago, I was on the receiving end of a phone call where I was pretty freaked out. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I don't really understand what my dad is saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know what this means. And, and now you've monetized my, it beautifully. Well, not just monetized, but my, my Mappa, as we call her, which is a name we got from the TV show, was in town this weekend, and we had her 80th birthday party and, you know, really celebrated her. And 
celebrated her with the community of, of Transparent, and she said, did you invite Caitlyn Jenner? <laughs> and I said, I should have. But, you know, Caitlyn Jenner said to me, watching Transparent with my family really helped me to see that a family could have somebody come out and and survive. Mm -hmm. And so to look at what's happened in four years simply around trans issues going from a moment where I got a phone call and said, I'm a little freaked out. I'm going to write a, I'm going to write mm -hmm. to deal with my anxiety, mm -hmm. which is an amazing moment for an artist where you go, I'm, I'm writing my way into a reality that will make me feel better right now. And to be able to offer that to our own family as a holder for, okay, here we are. Let's look at ourselves in this in this art to make sense of what's happening. And, and four years later, to have created a place of empathy and love around um, trans people within your family and the world. I mean, the speed of that. And brought to you by a shopping company online. And, and yes, you can, you can purchase. You know, there's, a, there's an episode coming up in season four called Standing Order, mm -hmm. where the Pfeffermans have a, a standing order at the deli. Mm -hmm. I want delis to be able to deliver the Pfefferman while you're watching it. Okay, see? You can press a button and you can have the exact same blocks and bagels at your door within an hour, which I feel like Amazon can do, right? You, There's a robot out, out here that. Well, you're, can deep in it. you're deep in it with Jeff, so why don't you ask okay, him? Okay, All right, questions from the audience, please? Questions? 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 None? No questions. No questions. Come on, men. Women. Do you want me to get up and stand like a patriarchal privileged man again? <laughs> Happy to do my. There's one. Hi, Jill. Hi. You're amazing. Oh, I think you. you're funny. It's a tough crowd. You should definitely take Thanks. the stock um, because, no, seriously, because you're probably the most prominent um, person, trans person, person representing the trans community. Yes. Right? So you need to have more money. Okay. Because then you'll rule some stuff. <laughs> okay. So get the stock. Okay. Hoard as much money as you can. Okay. Hoard money. And give people you care about power. Okay. That's how it works. I will. See you later. Thank you. <laughs> Hi, Megan. Hello, Jill. Nice to see you. On the money stuff, by the way, uh, Leanne Pittsford, who started Lesbians Who Tech, founded it because during the Prop 8 battle, she found that gay men couples versus gay female couples were giving six times the volume because they had access to so much more money. Wow. It was so interesting to see the pay gap be so visible in that. And so she founded Lesbians Who Tech, who now is 25,000 people. It's a modern Ziff Davis. I just wanted to thank you for your work. When I, I worked for President Obama as the United States Chief Technology Officer, and one of the greatest things we need to do as a country is mobilize the talent, because there's so much talent. I was just in Appalachia with yeah. coal miners graduating wow. from Code Boot Camp uh, in Painesville, Kentucky. Uh, a thousand coal miners tried for those 50 slots. Um, you know, we're not doing WeWork in the brick buildings in, in West Virginia, but we could. So working on that kind of stuff. And one of the things I really believe will help us all is if all of us start telling better media of everybody, hmm. you know, hidden figures, the Hokulea, Moana is real. The Hokulea has sailed around the planet, a Polynesian sailing vessel. They'll be home on the 17th hmm. of June. So there really are 20-something Moana men and women who've learned Polynesian sailing arts. So telling these amazing stories. And it's so interesting to see that there's so much of what's working that's not on TV. Mm -hmm. You know, the Sunday morning shows are just all admiring the problem all day. You know, but we never heard about the coal miners. So just yeah. thoughts about that. And if you ever go to polygraph.cool slash films, you can see the film dialogue. And it's really um, astonishing, even in the children's television, it's that the language, uh, men speak, women don't. We learn that, and then when yeah. we grow up, we do the yeah. same. It's, I think it's eight to one. 
speaking lines for women versus men in most films on the Bechtel test. So yeah. what you're doing is so important. And I actually yeah. think it, as, as a chief technology person, the lift that you're doing on behalf of all of the talent and unlocking the talent of what we could all be, how we can be more authentically true, will really change the, the world and the economy and who feels more creatively confident about mm. the future. So thank you. Thank you, okay. Megan. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, Joel. Um, Megan talked about sort of the representation in front of the screen. I'm curious behind the screen. You talked about uh, the DGA getting some trans people, and I'm curious... You know, in tech, there's a few prominent trans people who've transitioned, but it's still really hard for people that are just coming up that are non-binary or trans to get that first job. Is that still a big problem um, in Hollywood, or are you seeing that change? Yeah, it's a huge problem. I mean, you know, we we have to work with our with our with our people on the show who are really involved in making sure we have more trans people. We have to do person to person. We have to find that trans person, introduce them to a department head, get them in that job, keep an eye on them, give them feedback, make sure they're having, make sure things are working. It's, it's, um, that's the way we're doing it right now is just trying to stay connected to each hire and get these people into these positions because it's, it's really, you know, I, I think not only do you have to be able to keep an eye out for trans people you want to hire, but you also have to be willing to turn down your friends and your friends' kids. <laughs> if you're a white guy who went to Yale, you're going to get an email from your buddy who said, my son just got out of college, can you give him a job? And you're going to have to say no. Yeah. And you're going to have to see that guy at a barbecue over the weekend and know that you didn't help your friend's son. And that's a really hard ask. Mm-hmm. You know, I think most people, most white people would say, well, I will get to it. I will, I will get to hiring people of color. But in this case, I actually do want to help out my friend's daughter. Most white people would say that. I'm guilty of that. Most, most women will say, well, she's a woman, so she's white. That's enough. Or there, there are ways in which you can think you're taking care of uh, diversity, but you're still really living, leaving out trans people. You're leaving out trans people of color. You're leaving out queer people. So it's, it's, it has to be an yeah. active, an active and feedback too, and keeping it not just hiring, but continue. yes, keeping an eye yeah. on people and making sure things are working right. for them. So yeah, right. it has to, it has to be more than just sort of a diversity program, but it has to be an overwhelming, active push. Absolutely. Thank Very you. briefly, Karen. Yeah, just, I just want to say, first of all, you're brilliant, and I love Transparent. Thank you. Um, you know, one thing that you might think about with Topples, not just supporting actors and directors and producers, but also some of the money that you make goes back to nonprofits mm. um, and to people that are also doing the advocacy. But I also just want to ask you a really personal question. Um, when I've watched Transparent, it's as much about trans, trans issues as it is about a Jewish family. How much of your family is reflected into the, the, the characters? A little bit. I mean, you know, my mom's a little bit like Shelly, and my mapa's a little bit like Mora, and I have a sister named Faith, and she's, you know, we're, we're the sip. We're, yeah, they're a little reflected. I mean, um, to me, it just feels like quite an honor to have the kind of creative freedom that allows me to make such a Jewy show. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's not just trans, it's Jewy. It's yeah, Jewy. It's, it's really delicious Jewy, Jewy transness <laughs> on display for 230 <laughs> countries. <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, Jill Soloway. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this bonus episode of Recode Decode. Remember to check out our other podcast, Recode Replay, for more interviews from the 2017 Code Conference. And we have more live events coming up. Code Commerce is September 13th and 14th in New York City. And Code Media is February 12th and 13th in Huntington Beach, California. You can find details for both those events at events.recode.net.